All right. We got Aaron Velke in the virtual Riverside studio here. Aaron, what's going on, man? I'm living the dream today, man. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. I love it. And I, I spared our audience of the lengthy introduction because I know you said you have, quote, a lot of shit going on. So <laughs> let's just dive right into it, man. Tell us about all the shit you got going on. This has been a really interesting year to start after a very difficult 2022. 22 was a year of a lot of changes. I changed cities. I moved from Baltimore to Arizona, which sort of inherently also means not really a big friend network, not a very big business network. So those things were brand new. I made some changes in my business life. I sold a property that I owned that was an investment property. I'm in the process of 1031 in that one. Uh, I'm also in the middle of readjusting the priorities of having a couple different businesses and isolating on what I'm best at. And now where that presents me is focusing on coaching. I've been a coach for about eight years now. And prior to that, coached athletics for about 12. And I think my brand, my brand has said what I'm doing. My, the brand is get out of your own way. That's what we help people do with coaching one on one retreats and workshops. And I got out of my own way. This is what I'm best at. I'm a ninja at helping people get rid of their mental blocks and limiting beliefs. And I have finally let go of not making that the thing that I do every single day, every hour. Mm, I love that. Now, what sparked the radical shift from Maryland to Arizona? Oh, I left out like the biggest. Well, I can't even believe I didn't say this. I also had a kid in July. Nice. Congratulations, man. Yeah, thank you. And part of it was knowing that this change is coming. All the other changes have a lot more purpose. I had very much outgrown Baltimore in a lot of different ways, but I was very scared to leave behind what I knew and knew that if you're going to do it, now's the time to do it. So it, it really was a combination of all the pressures of timelines and sinking and feeling like once you establish a routine with a kid, especially as an entrepreneur where you're like, you need a community to really nurture and help. Need a village. If you're going to change, it's much easier relatively now than it would be in six months or a year. Yeah. Well said. So what are some of the steps that you are taking proactively to make sure that things don't go just bananas once you have the child? <laughs> I've been really intentional about meeting people here. When I got here, I set up six weeks of very intense and very intentional networking. I built this list of like, here's the criteria. Here's how I'm going to meet people. And I met with 20 people a week for an hour per person. So I, mm -hmm. I was like really, really intentionally meeting people. That was one, build a network and build a really good network really fast. Find good humans, good people, good business owners, all the above. The second thing is I have a tremendous emphasis on making sure my energy, my health and wellness is all tip top. And that means I've got to set good boundaries and prioritize certain things that some people feel awkward creating. And I do. It's just important that I show up really well, not just for, for my clients, not just for family, but for me. So that's been a part of this. And then beyond that, man, the, when there's a lot of change, trying to find an anchor. And the only thing I had to anchor when business, life, personal, neighborhood, network, friends, family, all those things were changing is my morning routine. So my morning routine was one of those consistencies that I've kept and I've kept a really strong latch on. And what does that look like? Well, I usually get woken up by a beautiful alarm clock called a crying baby. 
that's usually around four. So I'm usually out of bed, like four 30. I go and sit by a fire for like an hour, sometimes 90 minutes. And in that I go through about four questions. What's my thought of the day? What's the loudest thing on my mind? What is the gratitude that I have for the morning? What are my intentions for the day? And if I can muster it, this is a hard question for me. How can I show up today that was better than yesterday? And those four questions sometimes take a little while. Sometimes they don't. I meditate and then I try to read or sketch or draw whatever the day is going to bring. So sometimes that takes a long time, but it happens every day. So, so let's back up. I'd like to know kind of like where you've been professionally, where you're at now and where you see things going in general. So maybe talk about the, the past a little bit and to, it, it sounds like recently there's been a lot of breakthrough for you as a, as an entrepreneur, as far as saying no to certain things, trimming the fat in certain areas of, of your life professionally, I imagine. Could you maybe talk about, you know, what the last, you know, 15, 20 years have looked like for you and what that's looked like to get you to where you are today? Oh, happily. Yeah. That is such a great question. I like to chronicle my world by the number of ego deaths that I've had. <laughs> like I can kind of sequence my whole life by like my identity collapsing. I finished college in 2009 and it was like the middle of a recession. So it was just, it was calamity everywhere. So instead of going into finance, which was my degree, I went into apartment maintenance. My dad was a demolition entrepreneur. So it was just like, we've, I was hanging drywall at six and fixing plumbing at seven. So that put me into a weird field. Like everybody from college went and got real jobs. And here I am cleaning up shit from like other college students. But that led me to apartment management. And somewhere in that space, I got paid one time to coach soccer. And that was the spark for everything, man. I, I got paid to do something I loved. Like I was going to do it for free. And that opened up my whole world. So that, that was kind of like phase one all collapsed on that moment. Phase two was I was coaching soccer and at that time kind of had this kick of entrepreneurship. I was really intentional about learning and growing and evolving. I hadn't started personal development yet, but I was convinced that I wasn't happy as an employee. So coaching became such a big movement for me. It was, it was coaching girls soccer. I coached several teams. I got into high school coaching. I was doing personal training on the side. It's like a whole lifestyle. And that took me to 2014, where I decided to quit my job. And the, the turning point there is me and a, a buddy, we created a company that we were going to go teach kids about money. And we formulated this idea that if we made money a sport, people might learn some shit that they needed. So everything collapsed. Phase two really ended with, oh my God, I think I have to quit my job. And... Phase three really started May 2015, quit my job. I start, the company name at the time was Ortis Academy. It's now Money Club. Money Club was designed to give financial education like a heart and a soul and a purpose. And I was coaching in the later hours. And so my day-to-day -day was like building a business and my evenings and weekends were coaching kids soccer. That phase lasted for a long time. I, I tried other things. I, I failed. I won't recount all my failures, <laughs> but I got plenty of them. And that took me a long time. I, I published a book on coaching. And as I started coaching kids, parents, entrepreneurs started asking me to coach them. So that was the beginning of my coaching career. 
And it probably was another several years where I was doing all these things at the same time. And last but not least, like this last phase has been investing in real estate, taking the, the earnings that I've had, building up a portfolio there, working on that while simultaneously living in my, my coaching hat more and more and more. And, and that's been a huge hockey stick of, of what I earn. It's been a huge hockey stick in like how happy I am and the things that I get to do. I got to travel the world. I learned how to travel hack and pay for travel where I've got to see the world for like $0 credit cards paid for my way across the globe. So I learned a lot of these things along the way. I learned money. I learned business. I learned real estate. I learned how to network and mentor. And, and now my job, my, my skill, my niche is to be able to find a pattern and dissect a pattern and change a pattern within, you know, a 30 minute phone call, hour long phone call. And I've gotten really, really good at that. So that's my world now. Well, thanks for sharing, man. I really love what you've done because what we've come to find with a lot of other entrepreneurs that do have a lot of things going on, you've been able to create an entire ecosystem around everything that serves your vision. A lot of entrepreneurs, they have this one maybe queen bee resource business that generates a lot of cash flow, and then they'll invest in the next stock or the next crypto, but that doesn't really support the overall vision of what you're looking to do. And it seems that you've been able to create an entire ecosystem of everything that you're good at and be able to monetize that and leverage to stay in the scope of what you love to do at the same time. So it's a, it's a rel relatively stress-free stress -free and high cash flow life. I don't want to speak yeah. for you, but it, it does seem that what, that what I'm deducing there. Well, I appreciate that. So that's a hell of a compliment for somebody that we're just kind of meeting now. And, uh, I think that is all based on a really simple principle. Like I'm very in touch with my mortality and the goal is to throw down the rope, right? If I can build the stairs for me, can I allow someone else to climb the stairs behind me? And that's to me, that's the principle and practice of being a coach. My, my win is not for me. My win is so that someone else can win also. And there are a lot of coaches that they're in the business of business. I'm in the business of change and helping people change. And I'm happy as can be, man. I, I am very lucky to live the life that I have. I also have worked very hard to create it. And, and how young are you, if you don't mind me asking? I'm 35. 35. You're wise beyond your years. And I, we're, we're 26, but just, just the amount of wisdom that you're, you're spitting right here, it's like the, the amount of experience that you must have been through is, is unbelievable, man. So let's talk about that a little bit more on the mindset side because you talked about ego death. Now, the only way I was able to simulate ego death when I was in my early 20s was taking mushrooms and trying to evaluate life after that. So, so what are some <laughs> natural, organic ways that our entrepreneurs that are listening here can simulate ego death on a daily basis? Because I know it, it comes and goes. That's <laughs> such a tough question. Natural and organic, even more tough. I would say the best question to ask, although it, it sounds really complicated and, and uneasy, is who am I? And do my actions line up with who I believe I am? I think that in all shapes and forms, we build our definition of the world and create structure out of that. And it's not long, especially on a growth path where our structures become our shackles. We, we love to hold on to the things that we think we know. We, we choose our truth, right? We look at a, the world through a lens. There's a, there's a line in Dr. Strange. I'm a big comic book nerd. So in Dr. Strange where it's like, Hey, you're looking at the world through a keyhole. You've got this little tiny myopic lens. And, and the question of like, who, who am I? You know, it's certainly an existential thought. If you want to get more practical with it, just to level it down to like, I can actually answer this. The question would be, do I value 
the things that I'm doing. And I think a lot of entrepreneurs find themselves caught in like, dude, I'm running this business. I don't really care about it. I'm numb. The wins don't matter. I don't feel good. I don't feel bad. I don't feel anything. I'm not sure if I like this, but it definitely produces cash flow. So let me just keep beating my head against the wall and doing this. And that's where change originates. Frustration and pain. And if you can really look at like, do I, do I actually love this? Because if you're not on fire every day, something's not right. That's not the point. And that question alone can be really helpful. Wow. And you're speaking right through us right now because we, we went through that change of the la- this last year. Just some background. We come from the traditional financial advisory model back in the day, you know, serve friends and families and, you know, try and fit, sell the next product. And every time that we, we'd constantly be beating our heads against the wall because like sometimes you're trying to fit a square through a circle hole because that's the only way you get paid, right? Based on those yep. recommendations. And we've transitioned to the full on consulting model for entrepreneurs that are in growth phase because we really just want to give strategic, non-biased advice around optimizing everything within their business as opposed to just trying to push a product. And it's really changed our lives and allowed us to show up in a peak state every day and excited to actually get going so that we're actually serving. We're, we're inside of the, the business world. We're able to actually grow a real business as opposed to trying to sell the next product. So completely understand what you're coming from. I, I appreciate that you've made change. Landon, what you got, man? Yeah, I was going to ask you. So just to that tune, the, the money club, what, that started in 2014, 2015. What is, what is, how has that evolved over time? What, did the, what, is, what has the content looked like? What does it look like today? And what did it take you? Travels? Just, yeah, give us the whole background and story on, on the money club. It, it has been such a cool journey, man. 2014, we kicked off this idea, make money a sport. 2015, we launched and the nonprofit game just wasn't right for us, but we, we played it for a while. You're hunting for grants and foundation money. And we, we later learned that what we offered was valuable and we could charge for it. But what we were doing at the time was we had basically made the game about behavior, not about what do you know, not about mechanics, about behavior, which is really important to everything, right? Money is so subjective and about emotion that behavior is like the conduit to can you build wealth and get your way to financial freedom? We didn't know that though. We that was just we stumbled on that. And as we went and grew, we started to take the like beauty of emotional and social learning. Social emotional learning is like a big subject in education and combine that with financial mechanics. So we built a program. Well, it wasn't long before we couldn't scale. And we brought on some venture capital, raised some money and built a tech platform. Well, this is sort of the, this is one of those ego deaths for me. I, I, I watched this video the other day in December, 2019, I got on stage and presented the business where we were, we were raising capital growing. And I was like, man, this is super exciting. Like we're about to do it. We got this big contract. We're set to launch in 2020 and 2020, as we all know. Education came crashing down. I just spent a quarter million dollars building out a tech platform that allowed us to scale across the U.S. We signed with Sylvan Learning Center, went international, brought the product to Canada and all these different cool places. And like, as enthusiastic as we were, education lit on fire and stopped. So circumstantially, we, we pivoted, we adapted, we somehow survived that. But it certainly took a lot of wind out of my individual sales. Like here I am, the visionary, and the world just took the industry away. We 
long story short, we pivoted to where now we teach adults about wealth building. We go into companies and offer their employees a really meaningful benefit. You get to learn about money and not from the lens of like, I got to sell you something. I'm just here to teach you. We're just here to teach you. And so Money Club became this full stepladder of teach, build, grow. And to do that, it almost kind of documents my whole financial education journey individually. Like we started with kids. I could only teach what I knew. Now we teach adults and then we could only teach what we knew as a collective because we expanded and brought on mentors. But dude, it was, it was such a big commitment. It was, can we bring something that I wish I had to life? And we now have a stepladder from somebody really young, just learning the basics of money to someone that maybe isn't familiar, has never gotten significant education and wants to learn about the simple practices of how to manage day to day to let's invest in real estate. Let's build wealth. Let's go for the distance. And we built the whole stairs. It's been really flipping awesome. Dude, that is, that is unbelievable. And that, that's such an underserved community of people, which is like a very large percentage of America, just employees in yeah. general that everyone's just telling them, Hey, just get this benefits package, invest in your 401k. No one's telling them like, Oh, maybe you should only do up to the match or maybe you should, you know, start an emergency fund and make sure right. that you're doing your budgeting and maybe allotting some dollars to real estate to get some cash flow. And I feel like it's not in alignment with what the actual entrepreneur wants in a large corporate structure because they want, they don't right. want their employees to gain freedom. So how do you navigate that friction between the actual, you know, founders of the company or whoever the decision maker is bringing you in? You know, how do you navigate that? Is there any ever, is there ever any friction because of the fact that maybe they don't want, they, they don't want their, they want to retain their employees. So they don't want them to get free right. at the same time. I mean, we're, it's, a, it's such a valid question. We do get it a lot. The, the danger is, do we cross over into discussion about liberation from a job versus the applicable elements of capital and building capital? The, the difference is that with the conversation of wealth and money inside of an employee base, what we're really talking about is can you build real stability and do you know what you want more of? And what we found is that as long as we're not like, quit your job, live your life, like as long as that's not our narrative, us being there and helping them grow actually keeps them there longer, right? If, if my employer had ever been like, hey, Aaron, we care about you and we really want you to be successful here with us. We also want you to be successful outside of here. And we're going to invest in you and show you about how to take your money and make sure that it's going the places that you want to go. Make sure you're set up for the long term and make sure that the things that you learn have an impact on you and your kids. I would be like, well, shit, this sounds great. Sign me up. <laughs> and, totally. you know, retention and recruiting is hard right now. People are looking for people to stay. And, you know, they're like, well, here, we'll give you a gym membership. But it, it's not sticky. And yeah. what we've found, the challenge is, is to, to find the leaders that care about their team that much to bring us in. That's the hard part. Where do you go to find good leaders? That's not an easy question. That's not nearly as easy of a question as like, how do we sell more contacts? You know what I mean? It's a totally different market. But we've found a way to communicate about financial growth inside of the employee framework rather than try to push people to like the fire movement or financial freedom. Like for think those that want to be employees, that's not the choice that I've made in my life, but that's a really meaningful choice. 
And there's no, there's nothing wrong with it. I think it should be celebrated if that's where you are and you like it. And it's the responsibility of employers then to support that and really like pour in. And I don't think many employers know that they have us as an option or have other options aside from like the kind of wonky, we're going to buy you stuff or give you free lunch that's available. Yeah. And so how do you guys navigate the balance between like being education-based and then like giving specific financial advice? Like, is there a balance there? Is it a little bit of both? Like, what does that look like? And then what is the, I guess, what are the key topics and curriculum you'd like to cover in your courses? And Man, I love that question. The, I think the balance is, can we provide information and can we help someone through all of their options versus, you know, pushing a single one? One of the challenges that I've found in the space is that for the most part, the financial advising industry is relatively narrow. Like we're not talking about real estate. We're not talking about crypto. We're not talking about alternative investments. We're not talking about uh, crowdsource investing and funding and syndications. We're narrow. And our job is to present a myriad of new information so that someone can make the best choice and not guide them on what the choice is, guide them on what their options are and where to go to get better information, guidance one-on-one. The general framework of our content is all around what we call the wealth creation formula. So four parts, you have investable income, you have asset acquisition, you have leverage, and you have time. No one ever broke down wealth for me. This formula works for everybody that's built wealth. You have to have investable income, not just income. You have to have assets that you're buying. We want leverage, both leverage of time and leverage of our capital. And then we want to play short-term time and long-term time to our advantage. And that being the crux of it, we've got to talk about things like credit and borrowing. We've got to talk about stocks and the market. We've got to talk about savings. We've got to talk about earning. We've got to talk about budgeting and planning. And we need to talk about the way that you understand the formula and how to actually invest. And that's, you know, an oversimplification for someone that's new to financial education. But the, what we've done is gone to as many successful individuals as we can and help them break down their magic so that we could distill it. And along the way, I think this is the real objective of education. People hear our stuff and they're like, man, this is so simple. I'm like, good. We've done our job. This should not be complicated. I'm not here to be a guru on stage that like confuses you with big words. I'm here to help you go, wow, I think I can do this and get started. And we've done a really good job of making these things that are very complicated, able to be digested. And and here's the magic. We started teaching kids and you can't give them complicated shit. They don't, they're not going to get it. It's got to be simple. And that's our whole like ethos is, can we make it so simple that your fifth grader can do it with you? And that's a really cool way to think about money. And even at the further level, what we've come to find is like trying to keep it simple with multi seven, eight figure business owners is the same thing. Just yep. because they're making a lot of revenue and profit doesn't mean they, they're fully financially educated. And we, yep. we couldn't be more in alignment with what your philosophy is. Cause really that's the biggest problem that we have with the, the financial advisory model in general is that like, most of the time, the best investments right back into yourself, right? How can I create more, you know, through different, maybe understanding the tax code or a little bit better and cleaning up my finances, making sure that I'm driving the most to my bottom line first, so that I'm taking the most home, acquiring assets that, in our opinion, should be in the beginning, at least 
relatively conservative. So I have more liquidity. So I have more dry gunpowder yeah. to land into the next opportunity and then creating lines of credit. So now I have this overall banking system going on in my ecosystem and then continuing to just rinse and repeat that same thing. So it's funny how that translates, you know, from your mindset to the employees, but also to the entrepreneur as well. I think the, the challenge with entrepreneurship that most people get caught up in is that the hyper focus on earnings doesn't actually for, for very many build wealth. So you go, you get your income to a hundred grand and then 150, then 200, then 250, then 300. So your lifestyle goes with that typically. And if you stop working, it's gone. It's like gone with a Thanos stab. That is poof. And before you know it, you've got, you're back to zero, right? Very few entrepreneurs accelerate at a, at a vertical fast enough to, to consider it building wealth. And if they do, they may not know how to do it because it's not the same game. So I think your point is incredibly valid and more individuals could, and I'll use the word should, invest in financial education. Even if you don't even have to be paid, just use the time, like listen to podcasts and go on YouTube. You'd be surprised at how much good content is available on this stuff. Slow, steady, and predictable is much better than fast and erratic. And I had to learn that the hard way. But yeah, I mean, how can I get there for sure as opposed to how can I get there as, as quickly as possible? I'm going to do this because it needs to be done. Consistency yeah. wins. Let's go, man. Thank you so much for the, for the plug-in. Yes, I mean, it's most people don't understand, especially from the entrepreneur standpoint of like, sometimes the worst possible thing for a company is more revenue because they don't have the actual infrastructure to sustain it over time. So now their burn rate goes so much higher. And now eventually when the revenue comes back down to reality, they're not able to sustain it and they go out under, underwater. So complete alignment, man. Now I, I know we're nearing the 30 minute mark here, but so we would love to get, you know, some last minute takeaways that you want our guests to get. And also what does consistency mean to you? Consistency to me is commitment to the best choice available at the time. We, I used to think that consistency was like, I got to be in the gym every day or I got to go for a run every day. And now I've recognized that sometimes that's not the best choice. Sometimes the best choice is rest. The commitment is to my health and wellness. That includes running, lifting, moving, et cetera. Same in business. My commitment is to regularly improve. Sometimes that means sitting still and thinking. Sometimes that means taking a break. So really asking the question, what are you committed to? And then backtracking that, I think consistency is really, really important to anybody that wants to achieve something great. And I've been an entrepreneur for eight years. And I'm just now seeing the fruits of some of my labor. It's taken that long. And it's really special to see consistency in the way of, I'm going to be committed to my big why, which is throwing down the rope and building stairs for people. So that would be my definition. Wow. You know, if, to if, say that was the most unique, unique version of someone explaining that. That was really good. Thank you. Good. But go ahead. Thank sorry. you. You know, my world is now helping people that are ready for growth. The entire organized the organization of our company, Get Out of Your Own Way, is around the C's of change. The three C's are, ah, it's a little play on words, the C's of change, clarity, context, and courage. And we're in a position of making change for a lot of people who are ready for more, not just more income, not just building wealth, but more satisfaction, more happiness, more joy, more travel, more lifestyle, because it gets easy to get swallowed up by that. So people can find me online. If you Google my name or put me in Instagram or any social media platform, you'll find me there. I'm on a, a bit of a mission to make the world better. And the way that I think 
that happens is through entrepreneurship and helping entrepreneurs get out of their own way, build the vision and make a dent. And if I can power people that are tuned in on their dent and their movement, like I'm all for it. So I'm just a a message, a DM, a, a Slack, an email, a phone call away from them making their dent. Aaron, I wish we had two hours to, to unpack everything. I'm sure we'll, we'll probably run it back at some point as well. But yeah, man, thank you so much for coming on and dropping massive value, massive wisdom, man. And we're looking forward to it. We'll put everything in the description to, to follow you and, and help grow your mission, man. I appreciate that. You guys did flipping awesome asking good questions. Great job. Appreciate you, brother. Appreciate you, bro. All right. So this. 